What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, August 16th. It's been a week since we've posted our last episode. It feels like it's been longer, honestly, since we did our amazing college football conference realignment episode last week. But yes, we're, we're back after a week, and this marks the beginning of our NFL talk. So we're going to have four episodes. We we figured it out. We were going to do eight different NFL episodes, NFL preview episodes, uh, but that would have been a lot because we also want to do a fantasy episode, kind of just you know going over fantasy strategies like we did last year. And we're going to try to bring that back this year again because we thought it was pretty helpful for you guys and also for us just, just to kind of voice what we were thinking in our heads and then kind of take that into our own fantasy draft. So that was pretty cool. So we're going to try to do that again. But that means that we can only really do four NFL preview episodes to make it kind of even across all episodes. So what we're going to do is we're going to do two divisions per episode. So we're going to do the NFC East and the NFC South today. I think next episode, just to kind of make it fair for those of you who are the are a fan of AFC teams or just like the AFC better than the NFC or like the NFC better than the AFC, I think we're going to do it like we're going to do an AFC episode next episode and then we're going to go back to nfc for the third episode and then for the final episode we're going to do the final two afc divisions just to kind of make it even so that the our afc fans aren't just waiting for a week and a half just to get their afc episode from us so yeah that's that's probably how it will be but again today is going to be nfc east and nfc south i kind of and i think the also the way we're trying to do it here is like include of a very hot you know debated division along with a not so debated division so like you know nfc east is is has a lot of strong fan bases right the cowboys the eagles commanders where where we live you know there's a lot of commanders fans because we live in virginia so that's very much so a, a, a talked about team here and then obviously i mean there's eagles and cowboys fans everywhere so a lot of them here too you know if, if you wouldn't even believe that so uh, yeah, so we're going to do that division along with the NFC South because the NFC South is was probably the worst division in football last year or at least second to worst, if not the worst. So uh, we're going to try to, you know, kind of balance each division out by talking about one good conference. NFC East is one of the best conferences in football last year and then one bad conference. And I think we're going to try to do that in all of the episodes as best we can. But yeah, we're starting out with um, good old, good old NFC East and NFC South today. Matt is on the other end here of the Zoom call. We are, I am in Richmond, but Matt couldn't make it to come in person to do the the podcast today. So we are a four minute drive from each other on Zoom, but it is what it is. And I have my good mic with me. So hopefully my audio is pretty good. Matt, how are you on the other end there? I'm so excited for football is how I am. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's that's really shouldn't that be the answer to everything, every question that's ever asked to you at this point in the year? Uh, I think it's just kind of, you know, perfect that we're that we're. I mean, it's the middle of August, right? You're kind of like, oh, yeah, you see training camp preseason started um, and you're just kind of starting to get into your your, uh, you know, your analysis, your pre preseason 
uh, you know, rankings of the teams and, and kind of who's who. And so that's what we're here to do. Um, we've done all the work behind the scenes or, you know, kind of previewing the teams and, you know, what we, what we think is going to happen. Hayden laid out kind of the, you know, the division structure that we're going with uh, and, and the way that we're going to kind of do it is we're obviously we're going to go team by team, spend, you know, you know, five to 10 minutes on every team. Uh, and then, and we're going to do it by win total, right? So that's kind of what we've been doing uh, in the, in the past couple of years where every team that we preview, we're going to give, you know, kind of, you know, say their win total as we introduce the team uh, and then just kind of, you know, based on our analysis and the research that we've done, we're going to give out what, you know, whether we think that team is going to go over under their, their win total, um, which I think is going to give us kind of a good, you know, good barometer as to where we think that the teams are. And, and, and again, you know, if it, Hayden, I don't know how Hayden has, has really kind of approached his, his research. That's another thing we'd like to do is not really talk to each other about um, our, our strategies or our processes when it comes to uh, analyzing these teams prior to actually just kind of hopping on and uh, hopping on the podcast and doing it. So part of that is, you know, you know, Hayden, if you have your exact schedule laid out and you know exactly what team is going to beat what team and in which games and, you know, you have an exact record, that's totally fine. I don't um, I've, I've been, you know, previewing NFL and just listening to podcasts and reading articles for the better part of uh, pretty much ever since the NFL season start, uh, ended, I guess, back in uh, back when the Super Bowl happened. So. You know, all that being said, I think, you know, we, we might have kind of gotten to our conclusions by different ways, but I think that, you know, the the, the research that we've done is, is is definitely top notch. And I didn't I mean, yeah, I, Hayden had his whole concoction for how he wanted to lay the divisions out and whatever. I, I don't I don't really care how it's done. Um, if any team is thrown right in front of me right now, I could talk for probably an hour about every one of them. So uh, so, yeah, so I, I'm totally fine with it. I'm super excited for football to be back and NFL previews. It's just the best season that there is. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I don't just to kind of preface this before we move right into the action. I don't have what I had last year. Last year, it I don't want to say that I I don't like to prepare that much for you know one or two episodes of the podcast. But last year we did a, one NFC episode and then one AFC episode. I'm pretty sure, and it it was chaos. I mean, we had to talk a mile a minute, and it was kind of like what we did for a couple of the college football episodes, like the SEC and the Big Ten episodes, those were kind of tough to get through just because we had so much to say about each conference. And even the ACC and, and Pac-12 episode where, where we did it combined, like that took a it, it took a lot to kind of, you know, hold back on some of the stuff that we were going to say because it just would have gone for so long and you guys probably wouldn't have wanted to sit through that. Um, so this, you know, this time around, we're splitting it up into into more episodes so we can focus on each team more and kind of just talk about personnel coaching changes that have happened in the off season. That's kind of what I've centered my research around is, is changes really, because the way I looked at it was like, if I'm sitting down to listen to a podcast on, on, on any kind of NFL team preview, right. If I'm, so we're going to preview the giants today, right. Say we're previewing the giants and all I talk about here is, the fact that Saquon Barkley got signed and that he's a good running back. It's like, well, we already know that, right? It, it I, I want to hear different things, things that have happened in the offseason, people that have gotten added to the team that are going to help them in any certain way, right? Or a coaching change or a coaching decision that's, that's going to happen coming into the season that is different from last year that might provide a different result from last year that that team had, right? So, that's kind of how I've centered my research. I haven't done, I haven't gone through every single schedule of every single team. Like I said, last year, that took me hours and hours of research to do just, just to look through the schedule of every, of every 
team and pick every game. It was, it kind of worked last year and I was proud of myself for doing it, but I'm, I'm not going to do that this year. And I'm really just going to kind of right go over the changes that have happened to each team, go over what I think might provide a different result for this year for each team. So with that being said, let's move into the NFC East. So the Eagles are up first. Uh, they have a projected win total of 10 and a half. And again, like Matt said, we're going to go in, we're going to go in descending order. So Eagles obviously projected to win the division here. I think they're actually like a, like plus a hundred to win the division. So it's pretty much even odds for them to win the division. Um, I'm going to start off here and and just kind of, you know, give a, give a little bit of a rundown of, of what I think, especially of their offense, their offense, I think is it's a lot of the same guys. I think that their offensive line is pretty much the same too. And they have one of the best offensive lines in all of football last year. Obviously they made it to the Super Bowl. They didn't really do too well in the Super Bowl. I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody on the Chiefs said that I think it was uh oh man, I can't oh I th- I think it was Chris Jones. Yeah, I think it was Chris Jones from the defensive tackle from the Chiefs. He uh he said that Jalen Hurts had the best perf- quarterback performance in a Super Bowl he's ever seen in his life. And in that Super Bowl last year, and I was like I don't know if you actually mean that because I mean, Jalen Hurts was good, but it's not like, I mean, he, for a, he didn't win B you have Patrick Mahomes on your own team. Who's most likely put up a better QB performance in one of the three Super Bowls that he's been to so far in his career. And then you got Tom Brady, of course, who came back from, you know, down 28 to three. So with all that being said, um, I, I mean, yeah, they've got a lot of the same offensive pieces. I think the, the biggest new offensive piece that they have is DeAndre Swift. They got him from the lions. My thing here is that he's either going to be really good or he's going to be a bust in Detroit. When he wasn't hurt, he kind of had injury struggles, but when he wasn't hurt, he was pretty good. And at least for, you know, fantasy purposes, he caught the ball a lot other than like just overall production. I don't know if he's had a thousand yard season yet, but he's one of those backs that is, is going to catch the ball. I mean, he's, he's definitely had a thousand total yards in his season so far, but um, I don't know if he's had a thousand rushing yards yet. I think in terms of rushing, I mean, with this offensive line, you would expect him to do well, but you've also got a guy like Miles Sanders who never really succeeded with this offensive line in the first place when he was in Philadelphia. Miles Sanders is now with the Panthers, which we will get to later. And I also have something to say about that, but I think that Deandre Swift is kind of what we have to look at here on this offense and say, well, is he going to be good or is he, is he not going to be good? And obviously they have, you know, other guys in in the backfield there with, with DeAndre Swift, but I think he's going to be the feature back. And if he's just another Miles Sanders, which Miles Sanders was the featured back before DeAndre Swift came in, before they let go of him, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, judging by how Miles Sanders did, especially for fantasy purposes, but also just for overall production purposes, I don't know how much their running game is going to help them. Jalen, we, we know Jalen Hurts is a beast. We know that receiving core is a beast. You know, they've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, two bona fide great receivers, but that offense is is kind of what I'm looking at in in terms of what's going to be the change going into this this coming season. Um, they've got a lot of the same pieces, but I think that running back position is it, it's a, it's a very talked about topic in foot and just football in general right now. And um, I I think it's people are kind of seeing the importance of it, and it's going to be interesting to see how they I don't know how how they kind of deal with that with DeAndre Swift, a newcomer coming in to this offense this year. Matt, what do you think? Do you have anything to say about their defense or anything coaching wise, whatever? Are you, so are you going to give your, your prediction now, or do you want to do it? I think at the end after both I think of we us. should just do it. At, I think after you talk about your thing, we should just give it at the end, both of us. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so the Eagles are, are, are an interesting team, right? So you, you, the big headlining the off season, obviously Hayden said they made it to the Super Bowl. You know, that was all well and good. It, it seemed like in, in most of their games last year, they were winning at halftime by at least two scores. And that creates an interesting dynamic when you're talking about, you, you know, how that team gels together, which is obviously, you know, that helps, but as for, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, being in a situation where you're not able to get out to an early lead and with a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who, who hasn't, you know, who, who hasn't necessarily been a starter for a ton in this league, how he's able to, you know, kind of adjust to what it's like to be in a regular, you know, a regular football game and not being up by that much, you know, throughout the games. And, and I think that, you know, the Super Bowl really showed that they did, you know, get out to a lead, um, you know, they ended up losing it, but I think he played just as well as he, as he could have in the Super Bowl. But I think, you know, too, we have to acknowledge that going into last year, the Eagles actually had one of the easiest schedule in the entire league. Um, I remember, you know, preseason, it was like, right, I think the, their win total was like nine and a half. And everybody was like, oh, I bet the over, I bet the over, I bet the over. It was like, the you know, insanely easy schedule because um, they hadn't won the division the previous year. So they didn't get a first place schedule after that. Uh, this year is definitely going to be a little different, um, especially in terms of, you know, the, the you know, the, the difficulty of their schedule. Um, and I think that, you know, that that plays a part in how we're talking about the Eagles coming into this year, especially due to the fact too. And this is kind of the other, you know, bigger piece, especially, you know, with the offseason moves, they lost their, both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator became head coaches of different teams. So Shane Steichen, their offensive coordinator uh, is now the head coach of the Colts. And then uh, Jonathan Gannon, who was their defensive coordinator is now the coach of the Cardinals. There was mixed reviews on both of them as well, right? So Shane Steichen is is kind of the he's kind of been the quarterback whisperer, you know, this kind of hybrid running dual threat quarterback whisperer for the past few years. He was with Justin Fields in Chicago in his first year, and he obviously you know coached Jalen Hurts you know really well last year, and then now he goes to Indy and is able to coach Anthony Richardson as well. So Jonathan Gannon is you know his offensive style is is it works for what he has, and I think that you know he's a really good coach in his own right and deserved I think that head coaching spot. But Jonathan Gannon the defensive coordinator just there were so many times when it was either and, and again this goes with just you know jumping out to leads if you're in if you're in the lead so much you know by so much in, in the first half you know yeah your defense is still going to perform well but is it really you know is it is it really that like immediate of a of a need to be able to you know produce an, an amazing defense in the second half when it's kind of you're just sitting on a lead and your offense can probably score at a whim anyway given all the tools that they had like Hayden mentioned AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and uh and, and Miles Sanders who's now gone but um and I think that it was very prevalent especially in the Super Bowl where they just kind of sat back in their same defense the entire game they didn't really make any adjustments and obviously right you're going against Patrick Mahomes and so not many people have I mean, not many people have beaten that guy in his entire career yet. So uh, I wouldn't expect Jonathan Gannon to do that. But he also had a stacked, you know, a stacked roster on defense. And I think that was almost the thing is he's he had been the defensive coordinator there I think since since 2020. So it was like, you know, his fourth year there. They weren't that great. Like they he, he didn't you know, he, he wasn't he didn't start out as amazing as, or, you know, amazingly in general. Um, you know, they just kept adding pieces. You had the Bradbury trade. You had the Darius Slay trade. You know, you, I mean, you know, they, they even brought in, you know, guys like Ndamukong Sue last year um, to, to, to bolster that defense. And so, you know, yes, they've gotten rid of I think they got rid of um, Vernon Hargrave. And, and I think obviously, you know, Sue is kind of he was on like only a one year deal, but they brought back both the corners and Bradbury and Slay. And, you know, the defense is still talented. Um, and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are kind of the two staples. They've been there, you know, since the 2017 Super Bowl. Right. So it's more about how the front office of the Eagles is able to provide such a such a stacked roster for these guys to be able to coach it. 
So I, in that case, you know, I think that the scheme wise, Jonathan Gannon probably didn't offer too much. Whereas John, whereas uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator probably was a better, you know, offensive coordinator than, than they're going to have coming up and just, you know, quick, very quickly, Brian Johnson, he was the quarterback's coach last year. He's going to take over offensive coordinator duties again, you know, right. He, he coached one-on-one with Jalen Hurts, So he's familiar with him, but he's never been an offensive coordinator before. And then I think Sean Desai is the guy who's taking over as the, as the Eagles defensive coordinator. And he only has, I think, one year of defensive coordinating experience. But again, you know, that defense is still pretty stacked roster wise. Um, going back to what I was saying about the, the, the very easy schedule from last year, um, even just during the regular season. I mean, they had, you know, I mean, they played just they played easy games. Right. And it. It led them to a number one seed in the NFC going into the playoffs. And you got to think about their playoff run too, right? So they got a first round bye because they were the number one seed. The second round, they play the Giants, who they'd already beaten twice in the regular season and crushed both times. And I think they won that game, the playoff game, um, you know, by by three scores or something like that. And then they play the 49ers who don't even have a, who are playing Christian McCaffrey at quarterback because they have all, you know, all three of their quarterbacks are, were knocked out. And then they obviously played well against the Chiefs. But it seemed to me that, you know, it, a really easy schedule during the regular season. And then your only two playoff games are really easy, you know, basically cakewalks as well. Um, it's definitely a very talented team and, and, and going to challenge to be one of the best teams in the NFC this year. But I think just it's, it's, it's kind of more of a question of like, are they going to be able to hold up against this schedule and in games where they're not going to get out to a lead of, you know, 21 points at halftime, are they going to be able to, you know, to stick with their teams, the teams that they're playing and kind of, you know, go, I guess, improve on that, uh, you know, in its own right this year. Like just for example, I think they have a five game stretch in the middle of the season. It's um, Cowboys at home at chiefs bills at home, 49ers at home at Cowboys. So that five game stretch right there, you're playing three, four. I mean, you got two Dallas games in there, um, but, but four of the best teams in the league, seriously, um, in a, in a, in a five game stretch all, all in a row. So, you know, that's going to test them, I think. Uh, but overall, right. The, 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 you know, the roster is still stacked, and, and I think that they're going to be definitely one of the best teams in the NFC still. Yeah. All right. So to give our win total prediction, again, the the line here is 10 and a half. It's a pretty tough line to go by, but Matt's right. With the, with the increased competition this year, the harder schedule, and also just assumingly they're not – yeah, they're, they're I think the, the set that Matt gave where they were up by two scores in most of their games by halftime last year was a really good stat to give and gave a lot of good perspective on just how, you know, just how, like, easy, easy they had it kind of in the latter half of each game and then also that playoff run, too, was, was really easy. I think with this one, I'm probably going to go uh, with the under because I think, that yeah, just a tougher overall season for them, um, you know, Again, you didn't really lose many parts, but having new coordinators too at the helm, it, that's that's kind of tough to do. Both of those guys that left, um, Jonathan Gannon and, and Shane Steichen, right, they, they were very good. And they got head coaching jobs at other teams. So that just said something about, about their coaching in general. But with these coaching changes, I think Matt made a really good point. It's just it's going to be a little bit of a, a shock maybe to to the team overall. Obviously, the team has has a lot of chemistry and will have a lot of chemistry coming into this year with a lot of the same pieces. But I'm going to go under for the Eagles this year just because, right, I think 10 and a half is pretty steep, um, even for a team that's supposed to be one of the top teams in the NFC. I'm going to go under under 10 and a half. I'm probably still going to go over. I mean, they went 14 and three last year. They were the number one seed. Um, and, and as Hayden said, they don't lose many pieces, a couple defensive guys, but, but again, you know, it's, it's once you have a roster like the Eagles have, it's, it doesn't, 
I think the coordinators don't really matter, begin to not matter as much, right? Whereas a guy in Ben Johnson, like we're going to talk about with the Lions, he's the offense coordinator there, probably going to be the next head coach in the league because he's, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant offensive mind. You know, if the Lions didn't have him, they'd, they'd have some talent, but they wouldn't, you know, be what they are, what the hype is going to be going into this season. Uh, and so, and so I think that with the Eagles, I think that, right, they're off, they're, they're, their roster is still intact and they have all the players from last year. Every, everyone on offense returns. Jason Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. He's going to come back, you know, uh, on the offensive line as well. And so I think that, you know, Lane Johnson, you know, anchoring at left tackle. So I, I think because the roster is the same, um, they're still going to be able to to win a lot of games, right? And and does that mean that they're going to get the number one seed, you know, bona fide, like, you know, 14 and three again? No, I don't think they'll go 14 and three, but, but over 10 and a half, you know, right, 11 and six is definitely in the cards for this team who is, again, projected to be, I think, you know, have the third or fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl this year. All right, moving on to our next team here in the NFC East. It is the Cowboys. They're placed at nine and a half projected wins. My take on this team is it's honestly, a lo- it's it's pretty different from years past. And, and I think that the narrative around the Cowboys recently, at, at least, you know, kind of in regular season as compared to what they do in the postseason is that they do really well in the regular season. They look like a team that can score a lot of points and that has a pretty decent defense, especially with Micah Parsons, who's just, who is basically half of the reason that that defense is good uh, at this point, or, you know, half of that defense's strength just by himself. I I think that, you know, kind of the narrative around them is that like, okay, yeah, they can score all these points in the regular season. They can be the highest scoring team on average in the regular season. I think for the past two years that they have been, but then when they get to the playoffs, they just can't win a playoff game. They they can't get you know to the divisional round. They can't make it out of the wild card round, and they just and, and they they did last year. But yeah. they played Tom Brady and the and the and the and the Bucks, who were eight and nine, a division winner in the NFC South. So like it's you know right. It, they got a playoff win, but you know the overall thing of Hayden saying is like oh well you know people are playing like oh well, they won a playoff game last year yeah but it's it's talking I mean they that wasn't even a real team. They had a losing record and they won their division. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. I think the changes going into this year, um, what's his name? Uh, Kellen, Kellen Moore, right? Their offensive coordinator. He departed from from Dallas. And so now Mike McCarthy is taking over play calling duties. And this is kind of my big point here. Mike McCarthy, I'm pretty sure he was also the play caller in Green Bay, if I'm not mistaken, when, I mean, he had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and that's the whole argument of like why he had so much, so much success in Green Bay. But Mike McCarthy is the guy that's getting a lot of fire for this Cowboys team that, can't really go far in the playoffs, won a playoff game last year, but before that couldn't really win a playoff game to save their lives. He's getting a lot of the fire for everybody's calling for him to be fired basically because he, he's actually the favorite like odds wise to be the first coach fired. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, I mean, I understand. Yeah. He's, he can look like a big loof on the sidelines, but I mean, (laughs) is he really deserving to be, to be the, you know, the first coach fired in terms of odds, especially with this roster? I don't know. Yeah. And I think I, I saw a stat that said that, he has like a 0.615 winning percentage in in his career so far. And I think that across NFL history, there's only 10 coaches, including him or 10 other coaches or something like that, that have had the same that have had the same um, winning percentage or better that have coached 150 games, which he has. So it's like <laughs> he's basically in the top 10 of coaches in, ter- in terms of winning percentage. Yes, he had Aaron Rodgers and great green Bay teams for a lot of his career before he moved to Dallas, but then right. When he moved to, when he moves to uh, Dallas, Dallas has had some pretty good seasons recently. So it's like his winning percentage. You can't really argue against his winning percentage. 
And um, and and I think that people calling for him to be fired are kind of looking at the wrong pieces. I think Dak Prescott is, is is a huge part of the of the blame here. And then also just that running game that they haven't really been able to figure out recently. They finally got rid of Zeke Elliott and they have Tony Pollard back there. And and hopefully him having the bigger role will be will kind of like you know make that whole backfield comfortable at this point. Um, but I I think that Mike McCarthy getting the play calling duties is, is a huge step up a step up for the, for the Cowboys here, because Kellen Moore, uh, if you didn't know, like his, his style is very, is very much, you know, pass the ball, play flashy and score a lot of points, put a lot of points up on the board, which is good. But Mike McCarthy came out and said that he himself doesn't like that style of ball, even though he played with Aaron, or even though he coached Aaron Rodgers for so long, he doesn't like airing the ball out all that much. um, And, you know, risking turnovers or, or kind of keeping your offense on the field for a shorter amount of time because running the ball keeps your offense on the field for a longer amount of time, allow, allows you to kind of control the game more and then also gives your defense rest. I think that he thought that his, his defense was out on the field too much last year and he saw that as a problem. He's going to switch it up to more of a run-focused offense this year, apparently, and that's what you're going to see from Tony Pollard. That's that's a very good fantasy hint, in my opinion. Um, Mike McCarthy has said himself that he's going to, focus more on the run game this year than than he will on the past game. Obviously, Dak Prescott is still going to be slinging it. He's he's still done well. Like he's 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 kind of like a Jameis Winston type of guy where he's going to throw a lot of picks, but he's also going to throw a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. So, um I don't I, I can't I don't really have an outlook on Dak Prescott because again, I I don't think that he's been the best quarterback and he could have could have been a lot better as of recent. Uh but I think that switching that offense to more of a run heavy offense is is going to do them well also last quick thing i'm going to say is that they got brandon cooks and stefan gilmore in free agency stefan gilmore is 33 years old but he's still a pretty decent corner i think he did pretty well for the colts uh last season i think it was at the colts last season or the panthers or something yeah like one pa- of it was teams. panthers and then colts yeah yeah panthers then colts okay uh but right stefan gilmore still a pretty good corner and then they've got trayvon Diggs on the other side so that's going to boost up their secondary obviously they've got micah parsons and that Demarcus Lawrence um, on, on that defensive line and that that defense is going to hold up. But again, this this run heavy offense, I'll be interested to see how they do. I think it's going to help them out a lot. Tony Powers is a beast. So I'm pretty high on the Cowboys this year. Matt, what do you think? I am extremely high on the Cowboys this year. Um, I, I just love everything about I mean, there's 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 little thing. Right. OK, Kellen Moore leaves. But but I think he forced Dak into a lot of throws that he wasn't comfortable with. Right. Kellen Moore is all about throwing it downfield. And, you know, right. Right maximizing the passing game. And I think that's going to work in San Diego, right? With Justin Herbert, I think they're going to be, you know, that passing offense is going to be really good, but there were, there were definitely times when, uh, so Dak led the league in interceptions last year. I think that's kind of, you know, what Hayden was getting at is the fact that he's, he's, he's inconsistent at times, but I think that, you know, for, for the type of offense that he, at least has been used to running in the NFL back when, you know, even when, like when Zeke was drafted and, you know, he was doing great. And you had even, I think Marco Murray played with him for a season, the offensive line in the running game was how they played. Right. And then Kellen Moore kind of, you know, came in and, and obviously, you know, their past game has, has improved over the past couple of years. Um, but I think they've led the league in scoring over the past three years by like, by like an average of five points um, over the next highest scoring team. So, so they've already established that, you know, this offense has talent and it can score. Uh, and I think that kind of moving towards a, a slower paced run style offense is going to be good. The only, the only question obviously is Tony Pollard's injury, which I think they're, they're saying he's going to be okay. Uh, at least to start the season, if he gets re-injured, I, I, I think it really is kind of plug and play with that offensive line, you know, Tyron Smith is still there. Zach Martin. He just, he actually was holding out and actually just signed um, a couple of days ago. 
He's a fall, you know, he's a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Um, Tyler Smith was a rookie last year. He's coming in and, you know, he's coming in again for his, for his sophomore season and he's going to be really good. So I think they're still on the offensive line, obviously, right? The outside weapons, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup are still really good. Brandon Cooks is the perfect addition to this wide receiving core, which is veteran, right? Which is, there's nobody who's going to, who's, you know, second year in the league, flashy young wide receiver, but that's you all you could ask for is is veteran wide receivers and we've already seen the plays that cd lamb's able to make by himself right so i, I think that you know the, the receiving core is is great for what it is the defense i mean dude your defensive coordinator is dan quinn who was the mastermind behind the legion of boom all that you know all those years ago or all those years when the seattle seahawks were the best team in the league and won you know won their super bowl and played in i think two or three so uh and then he actually was the head coach dan quinn was the head coach of the falcons when they got to the super bowl and blew the 28 to 3 lead uh so so this guy is he's a great coach right and i think he'll probably end up getting another head coaching chance um and and he's just chilling as their defensive coordinator right so on top of and i had mentioned i like parsons um and and you and they signed um they signed trayvon diggs for a, a pretty big deal which he didn't you know could have spent your money elsewhere, but whatever. Um, and 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 obviously Stefan Gilmer, as as Hayden mentioned. So I think you know that's one of the best defensive backfields you have. I mean, anytime you have Michael Park, and and they're sw- they're they're because they've gotten more, you know. And Leighton Vander Esch is always there. like they have coverage linebackers in a good defensive backfield. They're going to have Michael Parsons rush the passer a lot more this year. Uh, so I think the outlook on the Cowboys is 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 great. As much as I you know, as much as kind of their American team and everybody is the fan of the Dallas Cowboys, and they have had you know very. I guess, unfortunate or underwhelming losses when it comes to the playoffs, but they're always a good regular season team. They were 12 and five last year. Right. So it's like, they should, honestly, they should have been the second seed. Well, I guess third, because the, uh, the 49ers were also 13 and four, but, but they should have been the three seed in an NFC and ended up getting a wild card spot because the Eagles, you know, just had a couple games over them. So, uh, you know, when it comes to thinking of the Cowboys as, you know, the second tier below the Eagles, I think they're right there, if not better than the Eagles. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won the division this year. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. I think that the Cowboys are a pretty pretty big sleeper pick to win the division. I don't know what their odds are right now, but like I said, the Eagles are sitting at plus 100 to win the division this year. So I would imagine that the Cowboys are probably, you know, in that like plus 350 range-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, but yeah, so to to kind of pick our win total here, I think that both Matt, both Matt and I are going to be on the same page here in terms of where we're going to go for the over or under again, their win total projection is nine and a half wins. Don't have much else to say here. I'm going to go over. I, like we said, we, we both think that they have a pretty good chance of winning, winning the division here compared to what a lot of people are projecting. So I'm going over nine and a half. I am as well. Um, this is, I actually, I bet this Hayden, this is one that, and yes. I risked, I risked my actual money on, on this, you know, Cowboys over nine and a half. I'm very confident. In it. I actually, this is actually, and I, it's, it sucks that we're kind of getting to it, right? It was second, second team in general. Um, but I will say I've only bet two teams to win the Super Bowl, and the Cowboys are one of them at 17 to one. Now I'm not oh. taking the, you know, the teams that I think are going to win, like, you know, bona fide all, you know, I, this team is, is going to win. The, I, I'm more looking at it from a value perspective, right? Because if you're going to take a long shot to win the Super Bowl, you don't want, you know, the, 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 the chiefs or the bills who are going to be, you know, plus 700, because that's not, you know, that's not as much. If you, t- if you pick the, you know, the, the, the Texans to beat the chiefs when they play them, you know, that's going to be even more than plus 700. Right. So I'm, I'm looking at, at value as opposed to like who can, you know, win their division, get a really good seed going into the playoffs and then be a favorite, you know, throughout their playoff journey up until the Super Bowl or even in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and that way I can kind of, you know, hedge out and, and, and guarantee a profit. So that's kind of my thoughts when it comes to betting teams to win the Super Bowl, but the Cowboys are one of them. Um, and, and we'll get to a, the other one, I guess, eventually. Um, but, but yeah, this is definitely something I have two you know, future bets on the Cowboys and, and I love their outlook for the season. 
There we go. All right, moving into our third team of the day here and in the NFC East, the Giants. The Giants are set at seven and a half wins, which is a little bit low because last I think last season they came out ten and seven in the regular season, which is a they were they big... were nine seven and one because they tied the, oh. the Commanders. <laughs> okay, well, I oh on the season, maybe yes on the season that they they had ten wins or something like that because they they won that playoff game. Right, correct. I think. Right. Yeah. Technically. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but in the regular season, right, nine, seven, and one. Uh, but anyway, that's and, and that's by the way, more... in case you didn't, in case you didn't, these win totals are are during the regular season. So like, yes, the, like the over nine and a half for the Cowboys is. Yeah. I, I'm just explaining in case people are like, oh, because you probably just confuse people by being like, oh, the Cow- the Giants yeah. won ten games. They won nine games. They still went over their win total though, which I think was seven and a half last year as well. So yeah, so everybody's probably sitting here thinking, well, why is it you know why is this why is it the same seven and a half this year? And it's because of their schedule. They they have one of the toughest schedules in all of football. That's the first thing that's like the glaring thing about this Giants team is their schedule's really, really tough. There's a, I think it's weeks three through eight, that six week span where they, I mean, they play, I think like the Bills, it's, it's something similar to what the, the Eagles have. It's like the Bills, the Chiefs. I think they play the Eagles in that stretch as well. And then the Cowboys, like it's, you know, it's two really tough divisional games and then four really tough out of division games, essentially, um, in that week three to week eight span. But yeah, this Giants team arguably is is better than it was last year. Um, you know, they I think well, just to kind of name some some of the guys that they re-signed, of of course, Saquon Barkley. They still have Daniel Jones on that huge contract that he never should have gotten. Um, and then they they added Darren Waller on offense. They still have all their receivers, but that's kind of one thing that I'm gonna talk about a little bit here. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they re-signed Dexter Lawrence, and I can't I can't remember if they if they re-signed a couple of their uh, cornerbacks, but then also Kayvon Thibodeau, who was hurt last season or for a part of last season, I believe he was hurt. Uh, he's he's going to be fully healthy for this season, and then I think that he's they're probably going to have him kind of switch up his role. Um, and I I don't know. I I've heard many different things about Kayvon Thibodeau, but I've I've basically heard that they're using him in a, in a different way that's going to make him better. Um, and kind of like what he was at Oregon. So. That's going to be cool to see. But yes, this receiving core, I highlighted this in my little research and analysis. It's not even, I didn't really have to do research on it. It's just that they need to stay healthy. Like Daniel Jones needs help in that backfield. Obviously he's going to have Saquon Barkley, which is a huge help just in and of himself. But that receiving core needs to stay healthy. Um, They have Sterling Shepard. They have Wandale Robinson. Now they have, they have Darren Waller to help out just on, on the receiving end, you know, at the tight end position. But I've heard that Darren Waller has been tearing it up in practice and just absolutely cooking every Giants defensive player um, when, you know, when they, when they go through scrimmages. Also in training camp, when they scrimmage other teams, I've heard that he's been tearing everybody up. It's like, obviously, Darren Waller has been one of the best tight ends in the league for the, the past, you know, five or four or five years. But now that he's in New York, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he works with Daniel Jones. I think that Daniel Jones and... Derek Carr are kind of similar quarterbacks in the fact that they never really prove themselves. Like they, they never, they didn't really get to prove themselves in a way. Uh, but I think that both of them are pretty decent quarterbacks that are going to be able to get Darren Waller the ball and then he'll be able to make plays. So it's like, I think that he's going to see the same success, if not more in New York than he did in, in Las Vegas. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think that like, otherwise this, this team is, is pretty set to make it a pretty good run. Like they did last year surprise a lot of people um i'm kind of in the middle because right they have such a hard schedule and that seven and a half projection is scaring me just because 
anybody would look at that at, at this seven and a half and be like, okay, over because they went up, they went way over last year, or you know, they surprised a lot of people last year by how many wins they got. But that seven and a half is scaring me because we all know that Vegas knows more than us. So I don't know. It's it's going to be tough to pick this win total. So I'm interested to see what Matt says, and then we're gonna we're gonna go over our selections. Yeah, I'm, I'm down on the Giants. Um, I think that in addition to what Hayden said, which is true, right? Their schedule is really hard. They didn't get that much better in the offseason. I mean, okay, you signed Saquon Barkley to pay him a lot of money. All right. The receivers are not that great. You get Darren Waller. Okay, cool. But but he's not going to be the savior, you know, for this team. And and so I think that, you know, there's a lot. And, and on defense, okay, cool. Dexter Lawrence, he's really good. Um, your best defensive back is Julian Love, traded him away to the Seahawks. So it's all over this team. I can just see it's it's just it's interesting the move they made. Um, the schedule gets a lot harder, as Hayden mentioned. And and so there there is an argument out there, which I I mean, I think we'll kind of have to, it'll be borne out, I think, after the season. The Brian Dable is arguably the best quarterback whisperer in the history of the game because obviously, you know, he saw Josh Allen's significant improvement to make him now an MVP front runner and the Bills the favorites to win the Super, you know, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And then last year, in his first year with with Daniel Jones, who was looking like they may not even, you know, they may just move on from him altogether, led the Giants to a winning record, got into the playoffs, and won a playoff game at Minnesota, who was 13 and four last season, right? So you know, when when you're talking about the success of a of a, of a team overall, and and then a coach can make that difference, I think Brian Dable is one of those guys. But I think it, I think it just all came together for the Giants last year, and there were so many, there there were there were almost too many, um, you know, just just weird results overall where I think, like, I think they were like nine and three in one score games. There were like at least I think three or four games where they were losing by at least one touchdown in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning those games. You know, think about the, the, the Ravens game. I think they had one against the, uh, against the Cowboys as well. So there were, there were many times last season where you're looking at this team and you're thinking, how are they pulling out these wins? And they kind of just did, but, but you know, when you come into a, you know, come into the next season, that's the prime candidate for regression, right? Where like those, those crazy results and, 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 you know, just the, you know, kind of the, the outlier, um, you know, scores and, and everything that you saw last season, it's, it's bound to regress to the mean where they're probably going to go, you know, this season, they'll probably go six and six in one score games and three wins less than, you know, than they had last year. Well, that's a six and, you know, six and 11 team. Uh, so I'm not saying that necessarily they're going to go six and 11, but I, but I do think that the, the, despite the success that the, I guess the, the, the 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 like surface level success that it seemed like they had last year uh i think that you know based on the offseason moves that they didn't they didn't really do much and they probably got worse uh after all the offseason moves uh and and in addition to a harder schedule and the fact that they're you know their one score games are going to regress i you know dan Jones could become a really great quarterback but if he doesn't have any to throw to it that that's it's almost negating you know the whole point so and i think he will be pretty good this year he was he was actually kind of good last year he has the running mobility too right it's like almost like kind of a josh allen light i feel like um but but i don't have a good outlook for this team because I don't think they built the team like it should have been. And they paid Dan Jones and they paid Saquon Barkley. So that's great. But, you know, what are you adding on the defensive end to, you know, to be able to stop teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles who you, you have to play those, those are four year games. Right. Um, and I, I don't see them winning any of them. Right. So that, that's just kind of my outlook for the giants. It's, it's going to be low. And, and obviously I think as, as, uh, as, as we get to the win total here, and I think it's a good point, you know, good thing for Hayden to point out, right. Like 
The win total was seven and a half last year. They win nine games. They win a playoff game in Minnesota. And you come into the season, the win total is still seven and a half. Well, it was actually, I think it was eight and a half to start the season, but it's been bet down so much that, you know, as everybody else is kind of on the under too. So um, seven and a half, I, like I would have definitely gone seven and, or under eight and a half. I, I'm still going to go seven or under seven and a half, just kind of keep with my sentiment for what I think the team is going to be doing overall. Um, and so, yeah, so unfortunately not, I don't think not, definitely not going to be another playoff run for the Giants in, in their future. All right, well, I'm going to go over on the Giants here. I still think that the that the Giants are are a pretty decent team. And again, they surprised a lot of people last year and they might I don't know what their schedule is like or their strength strength of schedule was like last year. They have one of the toughest schedules in the league this year, but I don't think that that's really going to stop them. They faced a lot of tough battles in in last season, like Matt pointed out, and they were able to win a lot of those games, a lot of those close games. So I think that they're going to see a lot a lot more of those close games this season and probably be able to pull out at least some of them again, seven and a half is not the highest win total ever. And I think that they'll be able to pull out eight games this season. At least um, the, the one guy in the secondary I was talking about was Deontay banks. They drafted him from Maryland. So he's our new cornerback there in the, in the secondary. I don't know how good he'll be. And then they got Bobby Okarika from the Colts. Uh, he's a linebacker and they signed him. He's, he's a pretty good addition as well. So I think the defense really just got beefed up, Um, you know, aside, aside from, the corner that they lost uh, to the Seahawks, like Matt was saying, I think that they got beefed up more than they lost and they'll be pretty good. So I'm going to go over on the giants here, but not a very strong over, you know, just around eight or nine, maybe nine wins. And then moving on to our last team here, our last NFC East team is the commanders sitting at six and a half projected wins. Their draft class was shaky in the, in the first round, they drafted Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi state. And I talked about this. Well, did we we might have talked about this after the draft happened or maybe I had talked about Emmanuel Forbes during our uh, mock draft I, I did with Ishan but Emmanuel Forbes he's like six foot or six one and he's something like 170 pounds if that maybe even like 165 he's probably listed at 170 but he's probably even less than that he's a stick and I don't know how much weight he's put on but that was their first round draft pick a guy who's 165 pounds so all, they already started out slow. Uh, they had one of the one of the worst or like one of the lowest rated draft classes out of anybody in the league. So that's not really going for them. Um, obviously, they got rid of Dan Snyder, and everybody's saying like, "Oh, Dan Snyder's gone." You know, the Commanders are a new team. It, it Dan Snyder was an owner, and I don't think that people really understand that like ownership. It does. I feel like a new owner won't really t- have much effect on the team's performance on the field in the first few years, I, I think that it, it's probably going to take a, a couple of years for the owner to kind of set the tone and set the culture for what he wants it to be. Obviously Dan Snyder was just a, you know, a cancer to everybody and that whole team in general and that really the whole fan base. And so now the fan base is so high on the commanders because they're, they watched Dan Snyder go and they're like, Oh, you know, we're a totally new team. Yeah. You're rebranded, but you're the way that you play on the field is not, going to be affected much by the guy that's sitting up in the box every game and just looking at all of his money increase or looking at his bank account go up. So it's like, that's, I don't know. That's, that that's my take on it on the whole owner thing. I don't think that's really going to have much of an effect at all this year. Um, And then, yeah, but I think on the bright side, they have a, a pretty good defensive line that has had some injury trouble in the past. Chase young hasn't been able to stay healthy, but apparently he said himself uh, a couple of days ago that he's, 
feeling the best that he's felt that he's ever felt in the NFL in his throughout his career. So that defensive line might finally be what they've claimed to be for the past three years. If Chase Young is able to stay healthy, they also re-signed Deron Payne, who's been just a beast the past, you know, four or five years for them. And then Jonathan Allen as well. They have on the interior defensive line. So a defensive line is stacked. And the commander's defense in general has has been made out to be pretty good, but that's where it all starts, in my opinion, in the, is the defensive line. So if they can stay healthy and and keep it going there, I think that defense will really come together this year. And then Jacoby Brissett, I I have this in my notes as well. Uh, they they got him in free agency, and yes, Sam Howell has been in the starter for the whole season, but I have a feeling that Jacoby Brissett might do what he's done many times before at many a teams, and that's just kind of you know, sneak in what if now Sam Howell, you know, tweaks, a tweaks an ankle at some point, Joe, Jacoby Brissett comes in, does well for them, you know, wins a game by two or three points and they just kind of keep him in there and they just kind of ride with the hot hand until Jacoby Brissett makes a mistake and throws two picks in a game, which he's definitely done before too. But it's like, he just, he, Jacoby Brissett just has an aura around him. That's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to probably help you win. But yeah, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, I don't, I don't really know how it's going to go. Obviously Sam Howell is going to start, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jacoby Brissett ends up the the quarterback for this team. Maybe if Sam Howell gets hurt or isn't too good, something of that nature, but not too high on the commanders this year. It's, it's really that defense that I'm excited to watch, but the offense is, is going to be pretty horrific. I think again, this year. Yeah, and, and the biggest coaching offseason move for the for the for the Commanders was signing Eric Bieniemy to be their offensive coordinator, who was the previous offensive coordinator in Kansas City under Patrick Mahomes. And the as much as he was kind of lauded for being this great offensive mind, he I, I think it I think the I think it got exposed a little bit in his move to the Commanders um, because in Kansas City you have Andy Reid, who's who's one of the best offensive minds ever and one of the best you know I guess you know, coaches, quarterbacks, uh, you know, extremely well as well, in addition to that. And you have Patrick Mahomes there too. So it's like, to some extent, you know, the, the plays that are called in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes either, you know, makes the play happen himself or does something else completely, you know, that the play didn't call for and, and you know, is going to make that offense look amazing in general. So I think that Eric Bieniemy was very under, I guess, overshadowed uh, in, in Kansas City. And I think that, you know, he – he came to the commanders to kind of have his, you know, have his own fresh start and, you know, kind of show that he can, that he can do it. I don't think he, I, well, I don't know if he can, I don't know if he can't. Um, so I'm not going to say for sure, but there was a report that came out last week. Ron Rivera, who's the head coach of the commanders said that like the players don't like Eric B coaching style. They think he's too hard on them. Uh, it's just not something you want to be hearing, you know, when, when the season's going to start in like three weeks here. Uh, and, and so I think that a lot of people are thinking that, Ron Rivera obviously has kind of, you know, his time in, 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 in Washington as, as I come to a close. And I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired either mid season or after the season this year. And the thought is that Eric Bien if he can kind of prove himself to be, you know, a, a good coach is going to take over that job. I think that's kind of the, what, what the plan has been, at least in, in DC, uh, you know, and the, the general manager and everything kind of they're talking about, but if Ron Rivera himself is saying that nobody likes Eric Bieniemy as a coach, as an offensive coordinator, you know, and then they're going to make him the head coach after the season, I, I ju- it just looks, it just doesn't look good from from an organization that has not looked good for for a very long time. Uh, Hayden mentioned the defense. I agree, the defense is going to be really good. It's going to be that like the Washington defense that was like amazing, you know, two, three, I guess three or four years ago now. 
has been hurt basically ever since then. And they're getting all their guys back now. So this is kind of like, you know, their, their time to be a great defense again, but the offense is not gonna be able to score points. Right. I mean, Sam Howell might be good, but we had, he hadn't, he didn't look good at the end of last season. And Jacoby Brissett, I, I think is going, you know, will is a better option than Sam Howell, but I mean, he's played like he played with the Patriots, like when they were in their Super Bowl run, he played with the Colts right before they drafted Andrew Luck when they had a great offensive line. And then he played with the Browns the past couple of years. And the Browns have, I think, the best offensive line in football this year. Right. And we'll get to their preview later on. So I, I think that, you know, Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett has, has benefited from a lot of kind of exterior talent, especially on the offensive line. It hasn't really been pressured a lot, whereas this commander's offensive line is not good like at all. Right. So I it's it's just a it's just a uh, kind of a, a a negative aura coming out of that organization, which gets rid of Dan Snyder and you know everybody's happy for it. Well, guess who comes in as the new owner? It's Josh Harris, who if you know anything about him, he's the previous owner. Of the, well, he is still, um, but he's he's in part of the ownership group that was uh, the owner of the 76ers. And you know if we if we know anything about the 76ers in the last like you know five six years, they purposely lost for five years straight to get to where they are now, which is just not even get to an Eastern Conference Finals, right? So if there's anything that you know I can take from the coaching change in the offseason you know the ownership change in the offseason for the for the commanders it's just that there's probably going to be more losing involved so I'm, I'm definitely lower on the commanders all right and that brings us to our prediction for the uh for the win total again they're sitting at six and a half for the projected win total i'm going to go under here i think that it's i think for me it's a pretty easy pick again that defense is looking good but that offense needs to be better than it is and i'm telling you right now it's not going to be pretty for that Washington offense. So I'm going to go under six and a half, probably around that five or six mark. Yeah, me too. Um, there's a lot of people. I'm like my my. I'm ready to trigger. I'm I'm just like just, I'm on the fence. Like, should I bet this? Should I not? But there's a lot of people who have. Um, and and like one of the biggest like people that I follow was was on it. Um, so I I, I don't think I I don't think I'll pull the trigger just because I I you don't you don't it, the the offense is just a question mark. Like Sam Howell could be amazing. Eric Bieniemy could turn out to be the best offensive coordinator in the history of the game. Um, so there's a little bit of variance involved with this team where I could actually see them having a winning record because if the offense clicks, the defense is great. And, you know, and, and Ron Vera has had a 15 and one season with Cam Newton under his belt. So um, it's, it, it could be good. There's a lot of variance, you know, with you know, kind of going, going on with this team. Um, but the, 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 the tail to the negative is a lot longer than the tail to the positive. So I'm definitely going to go under here. Sure. All right. Moving on to the NFC South. So the first team here we have for the NFC South is obviously the saints. They are projected nine and a half wins. It's it's pretty steep for a team last year that was just kind of underwhelming. They couldn't really figure out their quarterback situation. Um, and, you know, they've got that guy, Taysom Hill, who they want to start. A, like, I, I feel like Taysom Hill has been the ultimate. What do we do with this guy? And they, they signed him to that big deal, um, I think, before last season or something like that. He got a lot of money just because he's kind of a, you know, a very much a hybrid player. Probably one of the, the most hybrid athletes players that we've ever seen come through the the, the NFL in general. Um, but he's not, a, he's not a quarterback. And so they went out and got Derek Carr this season, um, which is a very good argument for them to have a really good season this year. And that's, I think that's why that their, their win total is, is on the higher end this year. I don't remember what it was last year, but right this year, they have a guy named Derek Carr who is, who kind of, I, I said that he could, he didn't prove himself in Las Vegas, earlier in the episode, but he has proven himself as a starting quarterback. Like he he's proven that he can go out there and do well with a pretty good offense, which the saints have, they have a pretty decent offense. They have good weapons on offense. Um, and so I think Derek Carr is going to, he, he's probably going to be pretty good for them, but I think he's kind of going to stay around that Las Vegas tier. Like 
Las Vegas is pretty good. They were in a pretty tough conference with the Chargers and the, and the Chiefs around when the Chargers got really good and around, around when the Chiefs got really good. That's when Derek Carr was there. And so they've been in a pretty tough conference, and Derek Carr has faced a lot of those really, really good teams. Now, NFC South is the complete opposite. It's one of the worst divisions in football right now. So maybe Derek Carr will see more success with a, a lighter workload in terms of strength of schedule, um, just in you know having to play six in-division games. You've got the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Buccaneers, who were all very questionable teams, both last year and this coming into this year. So uh, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Derek Carr can do with this offense. But then this defense is just like it's it's, it's really good. Um, they you know obviously they got Tyron Matthew. They've got um, uh, Cameron Jordan, who's I don't really like Cameron Jordan just as a player because I have my reasons, but. Uh, he's you know he's also there, Marshawn Lattimore, just guys that have been there for a, a pretty long while who are just staying there and are gonna be good. I think they also have Alex Anzalone, or no, maybe he's a, I think he's a lion now, but yeah, but they, I mean they they've got a really good defense. They have had a good defense for a good while now, so I don't expect that defense to be a problem, and I do expect Derek Carr to, to take this offense to a higher level of play than it was last in in years past. It's going to be interesting to see how they use Alvin Kamara. I don't know how they'll use him because I think Alvin Kamara has been underused in past years. So that's kind of what I'm looking for this season for them to start doing more is using Alvin Kamara in ways that are are good for the team. And then the last thing I'll say is Michael Thomas, do not draft him in fantasy. I'll say the same thing in our, in our fantasy episode. Michael Thomas is terrible. He looks terrible in all the videos that I've seen of him. So don't I expect Chris Olave to be the, the wide receiver one, no matter what in this, even if Michael Thomas can stay healthy. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation that the Saints find themselves in. Last year had a lot of hype coming into the season. Jameis Winston was supposed to be the starter. He gets hurt right away. They put in Andy Dalton. He was okay. They finished seven and ten, and it's a little bit underwhelming. Uh, but then, but I mean, right as Hayden mentioned, the defense is 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 good, right? The, the wide receiver core. You have uh, Chris Olave, who who in his rookie season kind of turned out to be the number one receiver, right? Uh, so you're 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 kind of almost a quarterback away, and they signed Derek Carr now. Is he kind of the most mid quarterback you could ever think of? Probably, yeah. Uh, but but it's better than they had before, right? It's better than they've had ever since you know Drew Brees left, which has now been like you know four years or so. Um, Sean Payton left as well, right? Um, and they promoted Dennis Allen, who was the defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach. And so you have a defensively minded head coach who has a really good defense on a team where. You know, and and usually when that's the case, your offense kind of just needs to manage the ball and and you know not make sure you're 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 not you know causing so many turnovers or whatever. And so I, I think the Saints will be good. And I, I just want to mention too the Saints and the Falcons, who we're going to talk about next with the, the Falcons. Preseason, all the like all the you know the data nerds and whatever do strength of schedule based on win totals, right? So instead of instead of like who like your projection for what you think the teams will be, it's like they number it like numerically find it out based on like the win totals of each of the teams that they're playing in this season. The Saints, for whatever reason this year, because the AFC also play or the NFC South also plays the AFC South, which is the worst division in football. And so however the math works out, it's actually pretty insane. The Saints and the Falcons both have the easiest, like the easiest schedule, strength of schedule since 2004. Like in terms of teams, individual teams in every single year, it's been measured. And these two teams this year have like since 2004 have the high, have the easiest strength of schedule. So I, 
I mean, even if they're, you know, mediocre on offense, I think that they can probably, you know, there's going to be able to beat teams like the Panthers and Buccaneers who were teams in their division, as well as, you know, the Texans and Colts who they play from the NFC South as well. So it's, it's, I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not super confident about, you know, the Saints as a team and, and that, you know, I want them want to, you know, pick them to win the Super Bowl or, or go super far. But I think that, you know, because they just have such a, a solid ground level uh, or uh, such a, a solid floor, I guess is the way to put it, because, you know, they're, they're just the talent in the roster is, is OK. They're probably still going to win a lot of games. All right. And in terms of the win total projection, again, it's nine and a half. I think that they're going to go over. Matt said it. They have one of the easier the easiest ranked schedule uh, since 2004. So that, that was a really good stat there that kind of just makes me even more confident in my decision to put them over nine and a half. I'm also going to go over. Um, I, I'm not like, I'm more confident about another team in this division. We'll get to them next. Um, but, but I do think that, right. That just the, the, the way that the roster is constructed, there's a very solid floor here. And I don't see, I don't see them. I don't see them having a losing record. Right. Um, I guess they could go nine and eight. Right. But like it, that, and that would be under the win total technically, but, uh, but I think it's going to be easy for them to, as long as kind of, you know, everyone gels. And I think that, you know, the other thing too, is like Derek Carr has, has really had some bad teams uh, in, in with the, with the Raiders. So I think that now that he, he does have a good team and an easy schedule in front of him, he'll, he'll at least be able to get to kind of like, hopefully like where his peak was with the Raiders before, which he was like, not bad. Right. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm over on the Raiders or on the saints, but only slightly. Okay. Moving on to our next team here. Uh, Matt kind of gave a little bit of a preview of how he feels about this team. It's the Falcons sitting at eight and a half projected wins this season. Their running back room is crazy. Okay. Obviously last year they, they, I think they have um one of the best or like one of the, best rushing attacks, I guess, in the league or across the league, or they had like some of the most rushing attempts across the league last year. They had Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson leading that backfield. But this year they added Bijan Robinson from the draft who they, I think they drafted eighth overall. So it's like, they just added, you know, possibly one of the, the best college running backs you've ever seen in the history of college football. And they still have Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson in that backfield. So that, three insane backs in that backfield. That running game should be out of this world. I think their offensive line is pretty good too. It's just their quarterback situation. That's a little bit shaky. They, they've got Desmond Ritter back there. I think they still have Marcus Mariota, but he, he kind of fizzled out. No, he's on the season. Eagles now. They trade him to the Eagles. Oh, okay. Well then they don't. So Desmond Ritter is obviously, and he, he was going to be the bona fide starter either way. And that's really the only uh, you know, kind of slow point that I see for this for this Falcons team. But their defense, they added a couple guys on defense um that that are of or you know worth noting. Jesse Bates uh at, you know on the on the secondary side of things at safety. Calais Campbell who's had a great NFL career. He's kind of on the older side, but they signed him to a one year deal. And then Jeff Okuda at corner who has really just been riddled with injuries ever since he entered entered the league. Used to be a lion didn't really work out there, but who knows? He might fit into this defensive scheme well. Still have A.J. Terrell, who should be probably an all-pro corner at, at this point. There's there's a lot of good corners in this league by now, but A.J. Terrell is, is one of the most underrated corners in the league, in my opinion, and he is on the other side of Jeff, Jeff Okuda now. So this defense is really just beefed up, too. This Falcons team is 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 really, I mean, <laughs> you could you could argue that before we even see anything from this team this season – they're a quarterback away and let's, we'll see how Desmond Ritter does. Maybe he'll surprise everybody, but I think that they're going to be kind of a, a Saints situation, but even better than the saints were last year. Yeah. And, and I mean, 
yeah, it depends on Desmond Ritter, but I don't think that that's the focus that they're going with, right? So Arthur Smith, um, he's their head coach. He's essentially famous for being the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, who made Derrick Henry what he is today, right? So I'm not, I'm not, you know, crediting Arthur Smith with, with everything that Derrick Henry, but like that, that's his style. He runs the ball, he runs the ball well, and you only need your quarterback to be, you know, to, to be a game manager. And I think Desmond Ritter can do that. I think he, he started six games for them last year. He was four and two in those games. They played a lot of easy quarterbacks in those games. So I will say that it's not, you know, necessarily he he's going to, you know, every six games he plays is going to go four and two in all of them. Um, but, but was at least a good, a good solid foundation for him to kind of be able to start those games last year, go into this year with kind of a, you know, a game plan wrapped down his head. Drake London turned out to be, arguably the best receiver in that, in that receiving class last year, you bring back Kyle Pitts, who was hurt last year and, you know, was, was really good two years ago with Matt Ryan. So I, I just, I love that the way that this, this team is, 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 is going. Um, I think they're going to be kind of basically the same version of the four. They're going to be another version of the 49ers where it's like that offensive system runs itself. And the quarterback that you put in there, as long as they don't throw an interception, every time they drop back to pass, they're probably going to be okay. And as I had mentioned, the defense has, has absolutely probably the, the, the biggest increase in, in, you know, a defensive totality in the, in the metrics, defensive totality from, from year to year, from last year uh, to this year. So I am extremely high on the Falcons and I think that they're probably going to, well, I mean, the, uh, no, this is another one that I bet over eight and a half. Um, I think the Falcons are going to be really good. And, uh, and, and right. It says a lot that I'm willing to put my own money on the risk for, for, for a team like this. And I just believe in it. And I think that Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be, you know, your, your amazing first round wide or quarterback that that's, you know, leading his team to victory. He just needs to make sure that he's not throwing the ball to the wrong team is, is, is really what it comes down to. And I think the Falcons are going to, um, you know, the defense is, gonna, is, is already bolstered. Like I said, and they, again, they have, the easiest statistically the easiest strength of schedule since 2004 i mean it's 20 years okay so like even if they're not that good of a team they'll probably still win those games simply because they're playing other bad teams as well falcons are sitting at eight and a half wins projected wins for the season and as matt just said one of the as as the saints do they have a super super easy schedule i mean easier than easy so um yeah so i'm, I'm gonna go over eight and a half for the falcons if i went over for the saints I just said that the Falcons have basically every piece except for quarterback. So I'm going to go over for the Falcons. I'm definitely over on the Falcons. I think if there's, there's, if there's a long shot that you want to take in the NFC, there's going to be a couple that I'll name. The Falcons are definitely one of them. Um, the probably, I think they're sitting around 51 for the Super Bowl. They're probably 25 to one for the NFC. Um, obviously, right. Again, I'm looking for value here. I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, the, you notice I'm, I didn't say that for the Eagles. Cause obviously I said that they're the favorite to win the NFC. So I'm not going to, you know, bet on them to win the NFC, but I think that, you know, taking long shots out of value can, can bring you at least, at least a, at least a fun long shot, but, but also can, can, you know, give you some positive expected value on a, you know, on a bet that you're throwing out for the future. So Falcons, like, you know, number one seed type of deal um, Falcons to win the NFC. Those are, those are some things that I, I, I personally haven't bet yet, um, but I'm thinking about doing it. And, and I think that, that, that this team actually has potential to, to, to be up there if kind of just everything clicks in a, in combination with their easy schedule. All right. Moving on to the Panthers here as the third team in the NFC South. Everybody's looking at Bryce Young, number one overall pick in this past draft, uh, to 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 take the Panthers to glory here. Which I think that is a lot of it is depending on Bryce Young and how he does. Uh, but it's it's still a huge question mark. He's five ten, supposedly two hundred pounds. He's not going to play at two hundred pounds. I can guarantee you that he's going to play at one ninety, probably at the most. He just beefed up a lot for the um for his weigh in for the the draft essentially or at the combine. Um, and so yes, Bryce Young is a huge question mark. I think I think he's going to do pretty well but i don't think he's going to really excel a lot i don't think he's going to be bad for them i think he's going to be pretty 
decent. Like he's going to be kind of middle of the line this year. Um, I think if anything, if you, if you were to give him somewhere other than, you know, outside of the middle line, it'd probably be better rather than under, you know, above average rather than under average. So I'll give that, that credit to Bryce Young there. I think that his, his football brain is just insane. And then the other thing that I have to say, the other thing that I have to say about this team is that I think people, a lot of people forgot that this team went through possibly the biggest midseason transition last year that we've definitely that we've seen last year or that we've seen in recent years. And they still went six and six after doing so. So if you don't remember, they lost Matt rule, they fired Matt rule midseason, And then they also lost Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. They still went six and six after losing Matt rule and their best overall player. And they went six and six afterwards. So it's like this Carolina team actually, you know, having a 500 record after losing your head coach and your best player, you would, you would never think of that happening, but they did it, and they're adding some new guys this year that are, that are going to hopefully make this team better. Um, they, you know, this running game, I think, with Miles Sanders coming in, is is going to be pretty, as it has been. You know, have haven't been the best running game, but they've been able to establish it. And so, my take on Miles Sanders is that he's not going to be good at Carolina. I, I think if he wasn't good behind one of the best offensive lines in football, he's not going to be really good in Carolina. I would I would assume that um, Ch- Chuba Hubbard's going to probably take over the the heavy running duties in this offense. And then that's, you know, this, this offense is going to kind of come together. They lost DJ Moore, but I think it'll kind of come together for, for Carolina. I don't, I don't really have like a, a strong opinion about Carolina this year because a lot of their pieces are new and head coach is new, you know, Frank Reich. And then you've got um, new pieces at running back. So that's kind of my take for, for Carolina, just kind of assessing where they're at with quarterback and then also where they're at with the running game. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they do, but I think that's that about last year going six and six after losing your head coach and your best asset on your team is, is, is a pretty incredible stat. So I, I wouldn't be so low on them this year. It's a good stat. I will say, but, but you, after you lose all of that, you now bring in completely different people to, for like those, all of those positions basically. Right. So you lose Christian McCaffrey, you bring in Miles Sanders, you lose, you know, your head coach, Matt rule, which is probably a downgrade or an upgrade. Anyway, you bring in Frank Reich who has had success, but he last coached the Colts. And when was the last time the Colts made the playoffs? He wasn't even the coach there. Right. So um, there's been, there's been a lot of turnover and, 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 you know, Hayden's right with that. But I think that the turnover they did have, it, it supplants a team that like it's, it's, it's new t- new pieces to that team um, who, who, who were not there during that six and six run uh, to end the season. And, and I think that because of that, the team, the ownership, the GM, uh, you know, everyone, there's going to be a long leash for this team when it comes to just kind of figuring things out. Right. Obviously, you know, when you, when you trade up and give away your best wide receiver to pick a quarterback who now has no wide receivers to throw to, little bit of a question mark, right? Uh, Bryce Sung and himself. I think he's going to be okay, but you never know, you know, with rookies, but he's given that they gave up their, you know, the future um, to pick him. Now they want him to be their franchise quarterback. They're going to stand They're going to play him every single game. He, he may throw more interceptions. Than he did not his touchdowns, but they're going to still play him every single game because you have to invest that time to be able to see if he can actually improve. And, and Frank Reich has been known as a quarterback whisperer in the past. He was able to get Carson Wentz to become his, the best version of himself, but we saw what happened to Carson Wentz after, uh, well, and, and he was reunited with Frank Reich in Indy when Carson Wentz had that year in Indy. So, uh, Frank Reich is not the, not the answer to every quarterback who's ever walked the face of the earth. Uh, so I, I think that, it's there's just there's just so much so much new to this team and so I can only look to kind of a negative outcome for them um and and the fact that with a new coach and a new quarterback 
both of them, you know, being right with the first overall pick um, and then, you know, a, a new coach on top of that. I think that the organization isn't necessarily in a win now mode. And so I think that if they do incur a lot of losses, it'll be okay. Let's try to figure out what went wrong and let's try to change that, you know, for next year. So I don't see a lot of drive and motivation for this team to win a lot this year. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? I think that if you're going to build the future of your team and you're going to give up that much draft capital and, and, and your best wide receiver in order to get a guy like Bryce Young, you're going to want to invest as much time and, and, and effort into him as possible. And I think, I think they're going to go about it in the correct way, but I don't think that's going to lead to a lot of success for this season all right and then for our predictions i think i'm probably going to go under on this panthers um seven and a half wins i think eight wins is just kind of a little steep for this team i'm thinking about it i'm thinking seven wins yeah i can see that but eight wins i don't i don't know if i can see um a, an eight and nine record for this panthers team it just seems a little bit too steep if, if i was to put money on it which i'm not but if i were to put money on it i'd probably go under so i'm gonna go under seven and a half yeah, me too. Um, their defense is good, though. I will say this. Yes, resigned yeah, Brian true. Burns. He's one of the best um, defensive tackles in the league. So, uh, so it, it'll be probably a lot, probably a lot of low-scoring games for the Panthers this year. Uh, and and if their offense can click right away, then that's great, and they'll probably go over. But I, I'm I'm definitely betting on them not doing that because they don't. There's no there's no re, there's no negative repercussions if it doesn't click. Right. Um, they're going to be able to come in next year, fix what what wasn't wrong or what went wrong um, and, and just kind of start over. And it's not going to be it's not going to be they're not going to be looked at as, you know, this was a failure by any means. So um, I think that the lack of motivation that they have to win a lot of games can probably probably going to lead to an under. I've considered betting this, but I just heard I've heard too much about too much positivity about the defense, honestly, to be able yeah. to, to really kind of actually get down on this. Uh, so but but there's a there's an interesting stat out there where I think like first round or top five quarterbacks drafted top five drafted quarterbacks have only gone over seven and a half, like two of the last 19 times, something like that. Like RG three was one of them and he won late, he went like nine and seven. Right. So even, even when, even when these you no know, top five picks do go over their win total, it's not like they're going 10 set or 10 and seven and, you know, 11 wins and, and, and winning division. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to stick with under on the Panthers. All right, last team here is the Buccaneers sitting at six and a half projected wins on the season. This has kind of been a recurring topic in this episode here, but QBs, dude, QB situation is horrendous, like possibly the worst that we, I mean, even worse than Desmond Ritter, even worse than than how unsure we are of, of Bryce Young, right? He was, he was the first overall pick. So a lot, lot better outlook than, um, than, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask fighting for the for the starting position here in Tampa Bay. It's really bad and they still have a lot of playmakers around them. You know, they they still got, you know, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans at, at, at receiver and then they let go of Fournette, um but they they have that dude at at running back that they Rashad White. Yes, Rashad White who kind of popped off towards the or like kind of like the latter half of last year. So Offense is still really, I mean, they, they still have Tristan Wirfs right on the offensive line. Um, and then uh, uh, what's his name at center? Um, the, the dude got, that got hurt last year, I'm pretty sure, but it's coming Ryan back. Ryan Jensen. Yes, Ryan Jensen. Thank you, Matt. Uh, they still have still have both of those guys on the offensive line. So this offensive line is going to be good. Everything else is going to be good except for the quarterback situation. And it, yeah, it, it just, it sucks. But playmakers on defense have stayed mostly the same. Still have Shaq Barrett. Um, still have uh, uh, Devin White, I think. and. Maybe Levante, I think Levante David as well. Still have uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. So a lot of playmakers still on this defense, but you can have playmakers. But I think that this will be yet another case of, uh, you know, more evidence that if you don't have a quarterback, you don't really have a team. So 
pretty low on the Buccaneers this year. Not really sure where I'm going to go with this um, with this win total, but I'll let Matt talk about his outlook on maybe coaching and, and, and personnel and everything like that before we do so. Yeah, this is this is a really tough one for me, too, um, because as Hayden said, you know, the talent is there. The roster is pretty good. And again, this is a team that won the Super Bowl three years ago. Right. So it, it's not and, and they retain a lot of those pieces. Uh, and so and I think that, you know, because of that, there's there's an innate floor to this team that allows some some hope for positivity. However, as he mentioned, right, the quarterback situation is just bad. Uh, it's Baker Mayfield or it's Kyle Trask. And neither of those guys pique my interest at all. There's been videos where like they both like they they're both throwing passes at the same time and they're both just missing their wide receivers wide open. So it's, it's, it's probably not going to be good, but the other side of that coin is that if it gets kind of figured out and it clicks with one of them, we've seen Baker Mayfield win a playoff game right before beating the Steelers when he was with the Browns, they almost beat the chiefs right the next year. So we we've seen him play well before. And, and if he can kind of retain that level of play, I think the Buccaneers can have a pretty good season, but it's just, there there's, there's just so much that depends on that going well. And I think probably the, the, the biggest thing to consider overall is the fact that right, this team had Tom Brady last year. And while yes, Tom Brady was going through a lot in his personal life with a divorce and, and FTX crashing all at the same time, the team went nine and eight and they were very, very underwhelming and they were huge favorites to win the division. And they were one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl again. So, and, and it didn't even come close to happening. And then we saw, you know, right. They played the Cowboys in the divisional round and usually or in the wild card round. And usually the Cowboys are a pretty easy dub when it comes to, you know, playing them in, in the, in the playoffs, but they just, they just erased the, the Buccaneers uh, during that game. So I, when that's the outlook coming into this season and it's like you had Tom Brady last season, you only won nine game or, you know, I think they went eight and nine. That was, I kept, I keep saying they went nine and eight. They were had a losing record. So they went eight, and nine last year. They went total six and a half this year and uh, they lost Tom Brady. So I, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now with the Buccaneers. Like I said, it can be, I think they probably have the highest variance in this division similarly enough the, the commanders i think did for the for the nfc east and, and we're talking about two of the bottom teams both have a six and a half win total where they could be the vote the most variant team in their division but i i could very much see too like hey if it starts not going too well well we still have mike evans and chris godwin we still have a really good defense you know caleb williams is looking mighty fine right around this time next year so so you know the the, the plan to tank for for a quarterback next year might be you know might be a solution for this team as well in that case they could have two wins they could have three wins so so the variance is, is very high for this team but I, overall I'm, I'm i'm lower and i and i don't think that even though right they get to play the rest of the nfc south the, the whole nfc south they're you know their strength the schedule is is pretty easy um this defense still could be pretty good todd bowles is the head coach and has not been good as a head coach and keeps getting chances at being a head coach. And I don't, I don't like his outlook on, on just the way that he wants to, I mean, he doesn't, he wants everything to be run through the defense. He doesn't want the offense to really have chances. And it was like, well, the offense is what, you know, won this team a Super Bowl, you know, just three years ago. Yes, obviously he had Tom Brady, but, but I think that, you know, the way that his coaching style meshes with the way that kind of the current game in the NFL is, it, it just doesn't seem like it matches too well for me. So uh, yeah, so I kind of, kind of showed my hand, I guess, but I'm going to go under on the, on the, on the Buccaneers, but I've heard people who are high on them. And and again, if, if one of the quarterbacks can just work out, I mean, we haven't really seen Kyle Trask, right. And he did learn under Tom Brady. So maybe he has a lot of skill. He comes out and he hooks up with Mike Evans and, and it starts working out. They could actually, you know, they could potentially come in second or, you know, potentially, I mean, I think in a long game, almost, you know, win this division. I don't, I don't see that happening uh, a lot, but I see them coming in second. Like I, it could happen, um, but I'm definitely going to go under for, for what we have right now, which is just a bunch of videos of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask missing their receivers that are wide open.
Yeah, exactly. And then they also lost Byron Byron Leftwich as their offensive yeah. coordinator, who he's not I, might be addition by subtraction because again, I don't I don't know how how much he was necessarily contributing to the success of the offense. Yeah. I think it was a lot of just Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, but still, right, something to mention that it's going to be a whole different scheme in there too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with that being said, I mean, <laughs> I kind of sounded low on them, but I do think that one of these quarterbacks might work. Like I, I can see this happening. And with all the other pieces that they have, again, they have, they're very much like the Falcons. It's like if Desmond Ritter can be a good quarterback, like the Falcons could be really, really good. Okay. And then I think it's the same thing with the Buccaneers, right? They could just blow up and become really good. If, if Baker Mayfield plays like he did for, uh, for the Rams in his first game last year with the Rams, like they could be very, very good. This team could be, you know, a, a finishing second in the NFC South, like Matt said. So I'm actually going to go over the six and a half win total seven, seven wins, a seven and a nine record is not that good, dude. And I think that I could see the Buccaneers definitely finishing better than last in this division, which uh, assumably if they're able to finish third or higher, they're probably going to have a record of seven, nine or better. So I'm going to go over, uh, over six and a half, just, just kind of optimistic here. I kind of hope that Baker Mayfield does well, because he's he's really had a, a a rough going other than that one comeback that he had in Los Angeles. So with that being said, we're going to end off the episode there. We're actually not going to do the rundown segment in this episode because we are running over a little bit here. And I know that Matt has to, to, to go do something. And I also kind of have to do stuff tonight as well. Get prepared to go back to college for the first month that I'll be there without coming home. So that'll be exciting. But um, yes, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you had a, a chance to listen to all of it or at least most of it. And hopefully you have some advice on maybe if you're planning on betting some of the win totals here, um, hopefully, hopefully you have kind of some good insight on, on where to bet with those. I think that Matt and I agreed on, on probably about half, a little bit more than half, maybe like maybe like five out of the eight win totals. And then we probably disagreed on about three of them. So, you know, kind of on the same track for, for, for most of them here, but um, but I, yeah, but there's definitely some teams in here that, that we were tri- tripped up on and didn't really know where to go because there's a lot of new piece. I mean, the NFC South just in general is like a whole question mark and it's in and of itself. So, um, we're going to, yeah, we're going to end off there next episode, expect two AFC divisions to be in it. I don't know which divisions divisions it'll be yet because we were only focusing on this episode. So, it's going to be brand new to us going into next episode and it'll be brand new to you guys as well, but it will be two AFC divisions in our second NFL preview. So be ready for that. Hopefully this weekend is probably gonna be pretty busy for me. So I'll realistically, it'll be sometime uh, next week, maybe early next week. And then we'll try to get a, um, a another episode out, you know, later next week. And that, that's probably going to be how we, do it um for, for for next week at least but yes thank you guys so much for listening and the continued support and we will catch you guys early next week with our first afc preview